Blog Talk Radio. Live from Fort Bragg's backyard, this is the show that put the 110 Nation on the map. There is only one nation, the 110 Nation. And you're listening to the 110 Nation Sports Show. Covering each and every sport across the board. There is no sport too large or too little. It's time to talk to talk. Here we go. Here's the man, the founder, and your host, Mr. CJ Sports. Possible equation there, 
But uh, I guess the opportunity to be out there Friday and Saturday at such Speedway, Saturday the Infinity Series race, more specifically Friday to take on Target Series drivers that will be in that field that have come on the show this year. Um, it would be a great opportunity and something very rewarding, especially including the Saturday Decker that we've had on the show uh, at least three or four times or so this year. Uh, but uh, congratulations to her as well. Uh, for that. But so we got Blaine Perkins joining us. Um, we're going to get an opportunity to sit down with him at 9 o'clock and uh, get to uh, learn a little bit about his background, uh, his passion for racing. Um, learn a little bit about his career, accomplishments. Maybe I pick up some, uh, some uh, most proudest moment stories and some uh, most embarrassing moment stories, as always. No blame a little bit on the personal level. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, this weekend, the day two, not, not only in the Arctic series, Superman himself, Mason. So, uh, looking forward to that. We also got uh, Izzo joining us at 9.30. Um, as Mike and Izzo will sit down. So, our connection that And uh, those two will sit down and uh, talk some hockey and uh, get you guys uh, caught up with the, uh, the uh, topics of the week. It's been a few weeks. As, uh, um, last week we say last week we didn't have the show, and then the week before that, I believe that was the following of the hurricane, and I think he was out without power. And I think the week before that um, it is when the hurricane was actually coming in, and so he went ahead and... Uh, um, let us know that uh, probably wouldn't be able to make it. So I, I think it's probably been a good three or four weeks since um, Izzo's been in the studio. So uh, Mike and Izzo got a lot to catch up on. So looking forward to that. I'm um, going to make sure that I thank Fit for Life. Guys, check them out on Facebook, Fit for Life. You can also go to our site, www.fortnationsports.com. The right-hand side, click the pretty little banner. Find the location near you, 24-7, 365. Get your gym on. Clean facility, courtesy staff, everything you possibly need to want. That is Fit for Life. Also got to... Uh, I also got to thank the uh, I-95 Sports Network, Mile High Radio, for rebroadcast and syndicating our shows. That's the great marketing partner and or networks. What we do grows the way we grow. So I got to thank each and every last one of them. Hallelujah and amen. About three weeks to go for those that are uh, frequent flyers here listening to the show. You know that I went to the beach, took the family, one little spew right before. Um, the kids went back to school almost, I think, three weeks ago exactly today, um, if, I, if I remember correctly. It was at the end of the month, the 30th or what? Well, the 27th, 28th when school started, so basically it may have been four weeks at this point. Um, left on a Tuesday, woke up Wednesday morning. There was this calls out the wazoo. Um, text messages, um, Facebook messages, pictures, you name it, as somebody uh, plowed over my phone and, uh, at my store. And when they plowed over the pump, they took out two pumps. And my location um, is only a four-pump location. We've been booming uh, up, until, up until they took out our pump. Um, and over the last six to eight months, we've increased our sales by 20000 as it's kind of the the, the the way that this was going. And uh, somebody decided to put their car in reverse, plow 
out over to take off. Well, a month later, hallelujah, we finally got, I'm not going to use the word do without putting air quotes out there, so for those air quoting, um, finally got a new pump. It's 25 years old, and uh, really ain't much of an upgrade, but we do have an operating pump in it. That's all that matters. And we have four pumps um, able to take care of four customers out there at a time. Two, um, today we were able to put everything off and fix everything. But uh, glad to uh, to be able to be back on uh, four pumps out there. Now it's it's significant of a a hit in sales that I thought it was going to be. Um, but it was enough. It was kind of jazz that, and it don't hurt a lot, but keep hitting that midsection, and it really starts to really just kind of agonize, and it becomes more and more painful. That's kind of how it was. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't that bad of a hit, but it was enough that it was, oh, God, right there. Deep down in the side, and it just accumulated over the month period of time. But uh, we're back to 100%. Uh, uh, tomorrow will be our early morning. Got to get up. Got to get to work at 4 o'clock. Uh, got to not. Every other month, got to get Got to count the whole. Or you're talking about over $100,000 worth of stuff. Um, so, uh, uh, long day. But anyway, we didn't come here to talk about my job. We didn't come here um, to. to, to we're not ESPN to come on here to talk politics. Uh, we, we didn't come on, come on here to, uh, I don't know what the speaker is for, but we did, we did come on here to talk Like I said, we, we got Bling, uh, to talk about his career, talk about his passion for racing. We got Izzo doing his mic at 930. Go ahead and get Mike. You know, we got some things we got to get covered. Things uh, as we lost another day. What was up with that? All of us had the, uh, the New York Giants winning. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the Green Bay Packers winning. What's up with this? The Heat offense. I don't know what it is. Anyway, we all had the Green Bay Packers winning last night. That's not what happened. I'm going to give you guys a quick rundown real quick before I get Mike in the studio. Mike did take 12-4. and four. Shorty and myself, not such a uh, not such a uh, hot uh, weekend as we barely stayed above that 500 uh, uh, mark as we both went 9-7. and seven. And uh, overall, overall, it's not, at least not for Mr. CJ Sports, not for myself. Look at all that hot. Uh, Mike does have the lead with a 20 and 11 record. Uh, Shorty is in the uh, high second place with a 19 and 12 record. It kills me. That was like a 70 percent winning percentage last year. The goal is 75. It was in the 70 range, a little bit over 70. And here I am at 70. Not how I wanted to start the season off. But uh, we three get an opportunity to kind of redeem ourselves. So looking forward to that. But anyway, we got Mike hanging out with us as always. Let's go ahead and get him in the studio. Let's find out what he's got going on Friday night and uh, where he can be found, liked, and all the whatnot. Clint, what is up? How you doing, CJ? Okay. Uh, 
Still got a show for Friday uh, that to do a tribute to Teddy Christopher, but uh, Timmy got back to me and informed me, and I checked the schedule real quick, that they are going to be at New Hampshire this weekend. So the Wailing guys are at New Hampshire, but I went into Plan B and decided to do something a little bit different, have two owners that have... Uh, that had Teddy drive for them, and so I invited them both, and we'll see uh, what kind of response I get. Uh, Danny Watts is one who uh, was a driver at Riverhead and became an owner on the tour and uh, was the person who owned the car that Teddy would have driven on Saturday night. Uh, and, and he basically has had Teddy as a driver this season. And my second uh, invite went out to Wayne Anderson, who we've had on the show as well. Uh, he he has had Timmy drive for him, Sean drive for him, both Salamitos, two of the three Salamitos. And then... Um, He's also had Teddy drive for him in 2013, I believe, uh, when Teddy used to come in uh, via plane, ironically enough, every every week from Connecticut to Riverhead Raceway. So um, hopefully we'll get those two gentlemen on and have a bunch of uh, – they'll have a bunch of uh, – Teddy Christopher stories, I'm sure, as all the racers around the Northeast that have faced Teddy uh, have. So those are my two guests that I invited to do a little bit of a tribute show for Teddy. And possibly I'd like to also have Bob Finan on, who we've also had on the show last season, but who did uh, the touching tribute uh, over the mic. Uh, that was on Facebook Live and that I put up on my timeline and on the 110 pages. Uh, And this we even uh, uh, distributed it today. So if you haven't seen it so far, it's up on the 110 Nation pages and the Whalen Modified Tour pages as well. Um, So that'll be a, a show dedicated to uh, Teddy Christopher with the two owners of recent, the two owners that he's recently driven for, among others. And I say among others because he's had his own car and then he drove. He's basically drove every type of modified on the Northeast. He was also a competitor and a leader in the SK Modified Division at Stafford. He ran Friday nights, which of course made it difficult for him to um, make the show on Friday night, the live show. And ironically, I had him penciled in to appear on the show uh, sometime in October and November. And obviously, um, that will be a schedule change as well, unfortunately. But uh, Teddy was due to come on again in the off-season for Stafford. But we'll try and do a nice little show with some nice with some stories about Teddy, and believe me, all the racers have him because he was, as much as as a competitor, he was disliked because he was always winning. Uh, when I say disliked, 
disliked as a racer because, as they say, whenever you constantly win, you kind of have a, have a target on your back. But um, and, and the drivers make this distinction, if you've been reading on Facebook, as I have, uh, that there were two uh, Teddy Christophers. There was TC the racer, and that's the one that kind of uh, rubbed competitors the wrong way because he was constantly winning races. Or there was Teddy Christopher, who could basically, once he was out of the car, uh, be your best friend and, uh, you know, uh, really a, a, true, a, a true racer and a true companion. And a, and a fellow racer. So, uh, like I said, there's probably two sides to all of us if we looked at it, but especially in Teddy's case. But uh, like 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 virtually every racer has said since Saturday, uh, love him or hate him, you know, Teddy Christopher will be missed. So we'll definitely have a good show on Friday night um, dedicated to Teddy Christopher. Um, you can find me on my personal Facebook page, the Hot Laps with Stats pages, the 110 Nation pages, and the blog site along with the Twitter account, my Twitter account, which is at Stats108. And again, this week I'm working on an article that will highlight the three next three weeks coming up for the PGA Tour which, uh, as you remember, CJ, their season never ends. Their 2018 season, they take one break after the PGA Championship, which I believe is on October 1st this year, and then they take like a three-week break, and the next season actually starts in November. So they're getting to be a lot like... uh, NASCAR and a lot of other sports where they go year-round and the, the venues they they go to, the golf courses they go to in, like, January are in, like, Hawaii and and definitely sunny, sunny, sunnier climates. And so the golf, the PGA golfers are getting to be a lot like all sports, CJ. Trust me when I say this, Mike. Golf is nothing like any other sport. Yeah, I've heard you say that. <laughs> I've heard a number of people say that. And in fact, I used to say that before uh, my college experience writing about it. That's when I, as I told the fans and, and you on occasion on this show, that's when I got into uh, learning more about golf than I had known previously. Yeah, I missed out on those days. It seems like a lot of people experience things they never thought they would ever experience in college. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that said by a lot of people yeah. also. Yeah, uh, golf would definitely be one of those things that would have to be on the top of my list if I ever went to college. If it would ever happen, that would probably be yeah. I say that, but I, 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 I joke. It, no, it's not something I'll sit and watch. Um, I... I think outside of maybe Happy Gilmore, I've never watched it remotely close to any kind of offense. But I have had enough people tell me that having the opportunity to play golf is honestly one of 
if, if you're out there and you are a uh, a doctor that likes to shoot the dog, and you're in the uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina area, hit me up. Yep, yep. Take me to the golf course. I would love to have the opportunity. Uh, 18 holes this uh, I also heard it from uh, bring some, uh, what's that, DYOB. Uh, and uh, have, a, have a fun time. I ain't got to have the DYOB in uh, But I, I, you know, I honestly would love to have the opportunity. I have nothing. Nothing against the actual sport itself, and I know not in Paris at all. I love it. Man, it's not that I got anything to stop. I just get watching. I I would love to have the opportunity to at least once in my lifetime get on the golf course. Shoot the golf. Um, Now that we've got what started off as like, what, a two way deal that you played deal, turned into multiple. Be part of this uh, Friday night race with Bench Creek Motorsports. We'll be driving the 55 Toyota for uh, core Bench Creek Motorsports. But uh, how about that? Uh, Natalie, that gets with the ticket her uh, Yes. Yeah, I found I found that on the ARCA site. And uh, Miss, I had even let Miss Lee know, and she hadn't seen it at first. But... Uh, I went to the ARCA site to do some research on our guest or our first, our our original guest who will be on, I guess, at a later time. Um, but um, what had happened was I automatically saw Natalie's story was the first thing up on the ARCA site. So um, I definitely uh, posted that as well. You fans can read about that. And, it's it's amazing, CJ. We've said, and of course, you know, we've had her on the show. Um, her fan base is huge, and probably the entire state of Wisconsin. And I noticed that the moment I, the minute I put it up, there was like two or three fans, and I went over and checked where they were from, and sure enough, they were from the Wisconsin area. And uh, you know, liking the story and so forth, and it's it's you know we've said it many times that with the way Natalie conducts herself, um, both I would assume in life and on the social media pages, she's becoming or has become very popular in her area, and probably before too much longer nationally as well. Well, how quickly the uh, the the tide had changed here at our uh, our NFL pick after week two, after week one, Sporty was up two over us, and five we were both eight seven. And here we pull out of week two. How quickly that all that all changed? She was looking game behind game ahead of her, and forced three games up on uh, myself. Uh, congratulations! Had a good week, twelve and four. Only missed the Green Bay Chargers, Cincy, uh, mm-hmm. and Giants game. But uh, right, maybe, maybe, maybe I need to let you go first this week. And, uh, maybe 
sneak a couple of your picks. Really? Um, I got lucky this week. Um, I, I'm very surprised, and, and CJ, uh, by the Giants, and of course I'm a Jet fan, we know that, unfortunately. Um, but but what ha- what surprised me about the Giants two weeks in a row, and you don't usually see this, especially in New York. I mean, coaches should know better. Um, Bob McAdoo came out and knocked Eli Manning and basically blamed him for the two losses. And I was quite surprised at that only because, again, growing up in New York and coaches will tell you, and and coaches will tell you, period, it's not good to knock your players or your team in print. And the fact that he basically placed the two losses in his lap um, just – I don't know. It just surprised me, CJ. I, I think he should know better. Yeah, but I think there should be a lot more blame to uh, Eli over the years, anyway. But I, I agree. You don't uh, you don't throw your players underneath the bus, especially uh, your quarterback. Uh, that you know, you start breaking that bond. You start breaking that. Uh, uh, You start breaking the confidence of your team captain. All that leads to to more than like the door replacement. So this escalate was not. Eli is not leaving the door with Eli. We've seen Eli have some uh, uh, pretty rough uh, seasons in his career with the Giants, and he's still with the Giants. Uh, even his even his Super Bowl winning seasons, I mean, those were nine and seven, were phenomenal seasons that the defense him out. Defense was legit. It's just, uh, I, I'm not saying that all seasons. Bad you. I don't get wrong. That's a really good season. Um, he's had probably more mediocre average season than really anything else. He's had a few bad seasons. Um, and, and yet he's still with the same, um, same franchise. Um, I, I think it would take a really a, a run of two or maybe two or three years of significance. Uh, falling off before I see Giants really anything by Manny. So I'm not saying that Eli gets a pass or you know he he should look over his shoulder or worry about his form. But Coach Mack, you're opening in in work might not want to end up because talking about a two-time Super Bowl champion versus what. Head coach, following Ed Coughlin, and you get really show the giant nation or the NFL that you're fit for this job, that you know you're, you're going to be productive. You've had it, uh, the coach, 
not like you, you inherited a scrub deep. You you inherited a really good deep and not proven anything yet. So uh, the only the only things that can come out of this start throwing by Danny those that are new to the show. And those that have never heard me spoke, I am not a Eli fan. I do Because you're part of two Super Bowl winning championship teams, not necessarily. They were having a conversation after the part of one with um, And if that's the case with Brad Johnson, that's the case with Trent Gilbert. And if they want to have conversation having after the vice versa, um, he was part of a team. He, he now, he's in state. Um, which, uh, like I said, they were 9-7 and seven both years they put in, and they had to be patient both times. But it was the defense that carried it through the playoffs. Defense got it through the playoffs. It was the defense championship. Um, and, and so it was a team thing. It was not a single player. Um, so I'm not an Eli Benny fan. I can promise you. Anybody that's going to be removed from this whole equation is not going to be Eli Might want to tread that water. Very Yeah, and uh, a couple of interesting stories today. Um, and I, I gave our uh, our sponsor there a plug because I was reading um, in SI, and I put the story up. I don't know if you saw the specific story, CJ, about states where uh, the most uh, most people exercise, more people exercise than others. Well, Colorado, for our um, Mile High Radio fans, uh, made the number, made like four slots in uh, the the top the top four slots: uh, Boulder, Colorado, and then three others, three other areas. I think Fort Collins was another. Um, yeah, I don't remember all four, but anyway. Four of the top slots were held by Colorado. And then down at the very bottom, and this is what I said on the headline, if you go over to the 110 pages, you'll see it. No knock on our sponsor, but I said, I wonder if Fit for Life uh, learned about this before they opened in North Carolina. North Carolina, CJ, is the 189th. Uh, ranks 189th in the country for uh, where people exercise. And I know you'll probably dispute that because you're in pretty good shape. But apparently, and I don't know how they conducted this poll, SI uh, went around the country and, and took a poll of how often or how dedicated, I guess, maybe people are to exercise and uh, like I said, Colorado was at the top, but North Carolina was 189. So, um, I'm not in quite as good shape. You rewind a couple of years ago with I was a a very lean 265 pounds, weighted weight, Yeah, I, I I can feel a little bit more confident. Hey, don't get me wrong, I'm not totally out of shape. Two weeks ago, retired from bouncing, so I, you know, I was still you know, in shape at over 40 years old to um, 
be security and everything else. But I, I do find that that number to be interesting, um, especially with Fort Bragg being right here. Um, there's a home in the 82nd, uh, one of the biggest Army bases in, in the United States. And here you're talking about, uh, and let's well, not count the other bases that are in North Carolina, and, and you're talking 189. That's just kind of, uh, wow. Uh, but uh, you also got to think about all that uh, good home cooking that these Southerners like to do and these North Carolinians like to do. You know, a, a funny story talking about food and stuff. I'm from, I don't know how many people know this, but I, I'm from the North. I say the North. A lot of people don't feel that Ohio's North. Uh, well, Midwest. I, I don't know. I, I don't, when, when I say North, most people would just naturally assume New York and Massachusetts, that area. To me, North can't go any farther north than that part of the map in the United States before you hit the lake, Great Lakes and you're into Canada. So, to me, North, or Ohio is North, because that's that particular part of the United States, that's the farthest north you can go. But, growing up in, in Ohio, I worked at a place called Rally's, and the same thing as Checkers, their their sister company, brother company, whatever. And we had tea. And if you wanted your tea to be sweetened, and I don't know if it's changed in Ohio since the night, lived in Ohio, um, actually lived in the state since, what, 96, so you're talking about 21 years now. But at that point in time, if you wanted, you wanted your tea to be sweetened, you were handed either sweet and low or sugar packets and more than happy to sit there and try to stir sugar into uh, tea with uh, your ice and everything else. And, and it, from what I understand, it doesn't work very good. I have tried tea once. It tastes the way it smells. I can make the best banging sweet tea ever as I've worked at a couple different restaurants. And it was highly requested for me to make tea every single time, even though I do not, I cannot stand the smell of it. I cannot stand the taste of it because it tastes the way it smells. Uh, as a matter of fact, when making the sweet tea, that if it splashes on me, I got to stop and go wash my hands. I don't even want to touch it. Like, I just do not have any desire when it comes to tea at all. Like, it's just one of those things that's just uh, to me. Uh, and that's just from where I'm from. It's just something we didn't drink. Um, to move down here in the South, <laughs> and everything is about sweet tea. Sweet tea with this, sweet tea with that. Sweet, you know, it, it, it's crazy. And it's funny because I always talk about yeah, people would put sweet tea in their cereal if they could. I was like, as a matter of fact, people would sit there and, and, and they, 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 they could, they would wash themselves in sweet tea and there, there's these there's there, there's these outlets on uh, off of I ninety five and Smithfield, and I I used to live in, in Oral, which is about five ten minutes up the road from Smithfield. And I actually worked in the city of Smithfield, and they have a Bath and Body Works in Smithfield, um, and, and the outlet. And I've been there and really just kind of wandering around. I think I was with uh, this DJ Sports at the time. It seems like this. It was about that time frame. Uh, so you're talking seven, eight years ago at this point, maybe. And I'm, I'm talking, it might have been longer than that. I might have like that. I, I lived up there. I can't remember if I saw it when I lived up there or when we were back up there to see your family or whatever, or it might have just been up there Christmas shopping. But uh, walking around the Bath and Body Works, and what you know, there is sweet 
tea scented bath and body works lotion and body wash and shower gel. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I always, always said this as a joke. I didn't honestly think that anybody would ever make a lotion or a, a body wash or a, a shampoo or whatever that smelled like sweet tea. But sure enough, bath and body works. They, they, they proved me wrong. Um, is, uh, but there, there is another one, one other real, 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 real quick thing. We had down here in North Carolina, you got a lot of, got a lot of, got a lot of country folks. And you have conversations with people like, where are y'all from? Still North Carolina? I mean, where are you, where are y'all from, really? And, uh, you know, working in the, the, the restaurant business, you, you, you pay attention to the, uh, uh, manufacturer plates on stuff and, and you know you look on the side of a reach in freezer and you can see the you know the brand and where it was made and everything else and you know I stopped using the joke Hicksville North Carolina when when I found out that there's a Hicksville Ohio and a lot of a lot of restaurant equipment comes out of there. There's a big manufacturer obviously in that town. I, I've seen you know, it's stamped on several different uh, restaurants. It's fast food, uh, like reaching coolers and sandwich stations and stuff like that. But uh, once I saw there was a Hicksville, Ohio, I had to stop making fun of the old where you from Hicksville, North Carolina comment. Uh, but uh, 189, I, I'm kind of surprised about that just because. We got the Spartan race actually coming into town next week. And like I said, we got the 82nd right here. I, I know that the standards of the military have changed, and now they got the little stress card and everything else. Heaven forbid you break a sweat. You don't get your personal space or anything else. But uh, I can remember when I was in 82nd, it was. Oh, oh, oh. It, it was run. I, I remember we weren't even 82nd. I, I was just, you know, I was in college time. I was in the other side of the right? And even when we ran, we ran every single day. And it was like three or four miles on Monday. And it might just be a mile or two on Tuesday because then it's the rest of your body you do. Then Wednesday, you know, you might do two or three miles if you're doing you know, the rest of your body. Thursday might be a light day or whatever. And then Friday, that's that five to seven, maybe eight-mile run. And, uh, you know, being here in North Carolina, there's there's not a lot of hills in this area. So they make sure that they find any little ramp going up those buildings that has steps going down or a ramp going back down the other side. You're going up down those ramps. or They're, they're finding any any possible bump in the road that you make it more difficult for you. Uh, and so I find it, you know, I find it interesting. And kind of, I'm not gonna say interesting. I find it more surprising that North Carolina, especially this area, is rated so low when it comes back to size. Especially knowing the magnitude of Fort Bragg and knowing being how I, you know, I spent most of my duty at Fort Bragg and knowing how how serious they they used to least take and, and how big of. Um, how big PT is in their daily routine to, to find out that North Carolina was so low. Yeah, it kind of surprised me, too, when I was looking for, you know, different areas just to see, um, knowing, obviously, that we were using on the show. I wanted to see where everybody 
or a couple of places uh, uh, ranked, and obviously Colorado stuck out to me. And, of course, I would look, because of you, at, uh, at you know, North Carolina, and then I didn't see exactly where Georgia ranked, but, uh, um, and New York, you see a lot of people um, that are into jogging as well. So, um, but I, that surprised me with North Carolina as well. Oh, I guess it's 52. So we, we ain't got a lot of time to jump into a whole lot of topics tonight. Um, so I, I want to give you an opportunity, Mike, to go around the sports world so we can, we can hit on a couple of topics and still try to get as many of the topics in that, uh, that, that, that shared today on our fan page. Okay, sure, CJ. And I can even combine two of them. Uh, this was a bad week to have the surname of Elliot, um, I guess, because Ezekiel Elliott and his coach will be sitting down, according to uh, Jason. Feels uh, Zeke's uh, uh, performance in week two against the Broncos. Uh, that was a story that came up this morning. This afternoon, not a half hour before the show, I go, as is my, as is my habit at this point, over to NASCAR.com to look and see if anything's new on the suspension front because I figured you were going to ask me or I was going to bring it up in some manner, shape, or form. And not thinking that probably I'll wait till Thursday, or or I'm sorry, Wednesday. Here it is Tuesday, and up pops the uh, Chase Elliott story, being as how that he was hit with a level one suspension, or violation, excuse me, for, um, and dropped him from sixth to eighth place in the points, uh, which basically what the, I guess what the violation does, now I, they didn't go into great detail. I didn't get a chance to read the article that closely because, as I say, it was right before, um, it broke right before, I saw it right before the show. But um, basically what happened is, like I say, he got dropped two um, places in the points which also virtually to me would wipe out the, and we made the the the, uh, the statement last night, CJ, that he um, finally won a stage. Everybody was waiting for him to do either win a race or a stage or show some some life, and he won the second stage on Sunday, but that. That uh, violation and the drop in points, basically, to me, um, negated that stage win. So, right then and there, uh, that's eliminated for him. So, very interesting, and to see what happens, uh, you know, with the rest of the playoffs. Now, obviously, eighth in points, you know, he's still, you know, in the top ten, but It'll be interesting to see how that affects the whole team, if any, 
if they indeed let it affect them and how it will affect them um, in the rest of the way. You know, this this whole Bill Elliott thing is it is crazy to me because going into the season, you're, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, well, what are the Cowboys going to do without Bill Elliott? He, he's a big part of this offense. It is a big part to why they went 13-3. and three. They, they can't afford to have him suspended at all. And granted, if he's going to be suspended for the amount of games, he wouldn't be the first part of the season. But, you know, the, 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 the thought process and, and logically, Dallas can't afford it. But now, as we look back at the first two weeks, now you sit there and think to yourself, you know what, maybe you should have went ahead and served the starting suspension. Because now, you know, at some point, possibly, he's still got a bench in, and you're, you're talking about, what, a 60-yard, I think, yard performance, 70-yard performance of week one, an 8-yard performance of week two, really adds up to still his squat, and yet there's a possibility you still got a further suspension on top of having horrible outings in week one and week two. Uh, it, it, it's just crazy going into the season and before you hit week one, what the thought process is, then you actually watch week one and week two and see the stat line and see how he performs and how you really kind of have a whole different outlook to did the Dallas Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott go about this the right way? Was, was this really the smartest thing for them to drag this out Possibly now at this point having horrible start season, you're one and one, and your star running back out of top of seventy yards to game, and there's it's just amazing how how quickly things evolve and how quickly they, you look at things differently. Yeah, it's you know it's puzzling to me, CJ. One of the things that. Uh, you know, I've, I've listened to enough, you know, interviews and, and conversations, as we call them, uh, to think that, you know, it's a very hard thing unless it's painfully obvious in terms of effort. I mean, how do you gauge effort in any sport, really? Um, you know, can effort be, you know, seen? I mean... Yes, in some cases when you have a good game, yes, it's like, wow, you're really good. But even if, like, someone is hurting, or I'm not saying Ezekiel Elliott was injured by any stretch, but um, anything like that. But I've heard, it, you know, I've heard it said so many times about effort that it's very hard to gauge how hard a person is trying on the field. Um I'm not saying, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's capable of much more. But, I mean, uh, you know, how do you know if that was just one bad game for him or if he was truly dogging what they call dogging it or a lack of effort? To me, that's very hard to, you know, to say. And then for a coach to come out and say, you know, Zeke and I are going to have a talk. I mean, actually, it was streamed on... Uh, ESPN um, over the story that he sat down in a press conference and said, we're definitely going to sit down with Zeke 
and thoughtful about his performance on Sunday. And that, again, to me, similar to the Giants coach, it's very, very difficult to come out in public and say that to me. And and you don't want to lose, you know, mentally lose your star players. And I just, it, I, it, it had me scratching my head. Because I've heard because I've I've heard specific thing in terms of physical effort. I mean, if you're not in the man's body, how you how you basically gauge that or can tell um, that he's not giving his best effort unless he's you know laying down on the field with nobody touching him or nobody tackling him. It's just very very to me. It's very very difficult to quantify. I don't know. Maybe maybe these coaches know something I don't which I'm sure they do. But it just to me as a fan, it's very, very difficult to 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 say like on a television screen or whatever, oh, he's not trying. You know, that's that's the effort is very hard to to you know, to gauge to me when you're not when you're not actually in the game. Or when we talk about the, the play that he did for the effort, was that late in the game? Do you recall? Uh, no. It was, well, you I mean the the, con- the press conference was after the the game, but no, the, I don't know. The lack of effort. Um, I think just the just the line, just his stat line. With I think he picked up like you know something like sixty yards on eight carries or something like that. Some insane. It was just the, the Jason Gatt was referring to stat line for the, for the game, basically. Um, well, I, I, now, I know that I had seen video clips of somebody, I, I think it was Chris Carter defending it, and, and I thought it was a specific play, because there is a specific, I had a specific point of the turnover, and there, there there's been some questioning on the lack of uh, effort by Ezekiel Elliott to run down uh, the the defender um, that had you know got the turnover, and I was I didn't get into the details. Of, I don't know what part of the game, and I know first part of that game is a defense. You know, you're talking about they've seen players get injured, so running down players or you know getting involved, and so I, I was just trying to get an idea of the early turnover of the game. Which yes, to me, if it's early in the game, then yeah, I can see it being an issue. You're not, you know, before the game got out of hand. But if it was later, the latter part of the game, where the game was already out of hand, out of hand, then then I can understand, you know, what's the point of stressing Ezekiel Elliott try when you, you don't want that, you know, you don't want an injury on top of a butt whooping, basically. So I, you know, I was trying to gather that part for you as well. Uh, is that live for the I, last week? Nine, nine rushes, eight yards. I didn't see. I didn't see the um, the Chris Carter thing, but I do know that in the clip I saw, the stream I saw, which was this morning, over the article that I posted on the one ten page, he was referring to the game, you know, the whole game and his stat line against Denver, and that's why. I bring up. Granted, it was a bad. It was a bad game for him. But how much do you credit? Yes. But how much do you credit? 
how much do you credit Denver and how much do you say, okay, Zeke, it was definitely you that, you know, that didn't put in the effort. That's just, you know, to me that's just difficult for to, to for somebody that's not in the game to say that, and even a coach, how do you gauge someone's effort? You know, it's it's, it's just obviously in practice you can say, you could tell the difference or maybe he knows the 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 level that, you know, he sees in practice and maybe he, he noticed the drop-off in the game. I don't know. But as a fan, it's very, very difficult to gauge effort to me. You know, to me, watching, and I watched the sports game, uh, especially since they went on play, um, I had watched the Brown game, you know, in its entirety. And then I switched over to Redville, make it happen today. And, and of course, with the, the weather delay and the lightning, they, they had a, a little bit over an hour to play the game. And, and so, you know, I had an opportunity to catch the, the times that it popped up on the red zone. And of course, the red zone popped up at the clock. I watched um, the Dallas Denver game. And from what I see, honestly, it looked like from that press card, it looked like he had walked up, picked up a remote control to a PS4, was playing bad 2017 game, a bad game series for the first time, and was playing it on the all bad level. Like it looked like press, that press card was unable to read defenses, throwing uh, interceptions. Really did not look like he belonged uh, behind there in the quarterback of a pro NFL team. It looked like the offense that is all we've heard all off season. The Dallas Cowboys have the best offensive line, and it looked like they had brought the practice squad for the actual offensive line. And then you have someone like Ezekiel Elliott that looked you know, looked like it went too deep into that game and like look. This Oh, Billy! Like this defense is not let me let me hit these holes that we're we're not doing too much. Uh, that's all the effort I've That's kind of kind of what I got out of the game. Um, so they they can say what they want to say uh, about Ezekiel Elliott and all this, and I'm not trying to defend him. Don't get me wrong, but this was an entire key that. You, you, you allow the Broncos to score 42 points on you. You you, you have your quarterback, two interceptions, and one of the worst performances she's ever experienced in the NFL. You, you have a running back that was in contention to lead the league in rushing or did lead the league in rushing, OMVP or MVP, whatever the case was, rookie of the year, whatever he was. And you, you mounted eight yards on nine carries, and Tom Brady outrushed you. If you had an offensive line that has been bragged about for multiple years, or more so going into this season, and I've seen more arguments on whether or not the Oakland Raiders offensive line or the Dallas Cowboys offensive line best. And I watched this Dallas Cowboy offense not be able to make holes for one of the best running backs in the game right now. Um, I, I can't throw Ezekiel Elliott underneath the bus when. I, it, 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 there, there, 
they they can sit down and talk to Ezekiel Elliott, but I, I think the figures start to be point from Jerry Jones on down. Uh, I, I think this was a whole organizational issue this week. I honestly thought, I think that they thought that, look, you know, we won 13-3 and last year. Uh, we, we took the NFL by surprise, and we're, we're cocky as you-know-what, and we're going to coast through this season, and we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Meanwhile, I think the rest of the NFL says, you know what, we're not going to allow the Dallas Cowboys to catch us up guard this year. We're, we're going to prepare for that. In other words, we're going to go sign free agents or trade for players to help improve our run defense. We're going to make life difficult and coverage is harder for Dak Prescott, who was a third-round rookie last year, uh, make it more difficult for him to have successful games. We're, we're going to make it harder for this offense to, to look like they are the best offensive line in the NFL. I, I, I think that from the, the outside looking in, the other 31 teams, they, they kind of view Dallas as, as kind of the measuring stick, at least in the NFC. Uh, I'm not going to say the total NFL, but I think they should just say the measuring stick. But I, I think that the, the, the Cowboys got a little too comfortable because they thought they had a good thing going. And this is kind of the same analogy that I use with NASCAR and, and, and when we talk about Toyota and Ford and Chevy. You know, Ford was all happy to begin the season when, when Kurt Busch went to Daytona 500. And you, you got uh, Richard Stenhouse winning races, Kowalski winning races, Logano winning races. Not all these four guys winning races. They were happy at that. There was no making adjustments. There was no, you know, let's make our, our manufacturer, our brand better and make sure that we're there for the playoffs. Meanwhile, Toyota, you know what, we're not having a, a, a great start of the season. Let's go ahead and keep working on things and working on things. And what are you going to know the first race of the playoffs? It's, it's, it's a Toyota. Uh, I mean, and it's kind of how I feel this offseason with the NFL. You, you have the Dallas that okay, you know, thirteen to three, and we weren't supposed to with rookies. We're good, and the rest of the teams, you know, we're going to work on things. We're going to be there when it matters next year. And uh, I think that's just what we saw. And I think that fingers need to be pointed. Back at back at themselves from Jerry Jones all the way down, Jason Garrett, Jack Prescott, of course Ezekiel Elliott, Des uh, Bryant, you name it. I, I think everybody, um, especially that performance of a forty-two to forty-two seventeen performance, um, I, I think every I think everybody could uh, take a little claim to the blame on that one. We got our uh, we got our guest in the studio, Blaine uh, Perkins is uh new guest list. I, I love having the opportunity to meet new athletes. Uh, I think that's one of the uh the the greatest things about what we do here. Uh, get an opportunity to introduce our, our listeners, our fan base to new athletes. But even more so getting to work on building new relationships. Uh, like I said, one of the the, the greatest times I ever had at the racetrack was last year at Kentucky. And that was why it was important for us to apply for Kentucky this year. Um, I, I still got my fingers crossed that we'll, we'll get their approval in the next day or two. I'm not sure. And like I said, even if I do get the approval, there there's a lot of hoops and, and a lot of 
tape and yellow tape and any other colors of rainbow tape that, that I'm going to have to tweak through to make it happen. Um, the last year, it, it is crazy because yesterday I just got approved for Homestead and here in Fox. Everything is going to happen to make Kentucky happen. I got approved for Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm trying to laugh. And like I said, Kentucky not so far not being approved is really weird, but um, the, the same lady that does the approval process for Kentucky and Kentucky just talks to her every time. Um, and she, she, as we walked up, I don't even have to say the one thing that she, she already knows who we are. Um, and, and I love that lady to death. Um, but one of the, the, the you know, and I, I've been to Miami, I've been to Barnesville, the first in Atlanta. Um, We've been to Charlotte, um, into the Myrtle Beach Speedway, um, Atlanta. I don't know if I said that. It seems like I'm missing another track that I've been to, uh, Daytona. Um, but last year at Kentucky, you know, I've been at the Battle of Bristol and I got to watch two freaking football teams play in the middle of the infield uh, for crying, crying out loud. Um, nothing beat last year's uh, event at Kentucky last year. When I when I got the opportunity to personally go talk to all the drivers that have been on the show and personally thank um, walking up and having great pictures and on top of that and I'm sure he did a phenomenal job and pictures where we're dying to get blown up. But having an opportunity to go talk to Dalton Sargent, Thomas Prater, and Sarah Cornetchi and Mason Mitchell, uh, Kyle Weatherman, um, and uh, Gus Dean and, and so forth and so forth. Um, it, it meant it meant the world. Um, not not only to have a chance to talk to these people, but to, to personally take the time to thank these people. Not just thank you over the radio, not just thank you over social media, not just but to take the time to personally thank people. Well, it means a lot. And, and so fingers crossed that it still happens. But we got we get an opportunity tonight to eat, clean, find out where he's from, uh, what what. What got him into racing? Um, so some of the highest and lowest of his career, and get an opportunity to know what it's like, what the build-up is this weekend, to make it your Arkansas game. And what I feel is one of two of the best teams in all of our. And I've been preaching this for a couple of years now. Basically, this is Motorsports and Sports Adventure Motorsports to me by far, hands down, the best organization in the Arkansas. I don't want to take anything away from any other guests we've had um, from Thor Motorsports. Uh, Thomas Prater runs for himself. We, we've had many, many different organizations the drivers come on. But week in and week out, the, these two organizations just seem to never stop impressing me. And uh, to get an opportunity to talk to someone and get their opportunity to not only make their, their debut in the Arctic Series this weekend at a phenomenal track, but with Mason Mitchell Motorsports and uh, – Looking forward to uh, having this conversation. Um, I hate using the word. I don't. It just don't. It don't feel like it. It's, it feels like it's a run-of-the-mill conversation. But without any further delay, let's go ahead and get him in the studio tonight. Blaine, thanks for joining us tonight. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great tonight. Thanks for having me on tonight. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, before we jump into this. I always like to give our, our guests an opportunity to plug themselves. So, if it be social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever you use to interact and, and uh, communicate with your fans and, and, and the listeners out there. Also, 
team site, personal site, sponsors, anything you want to throw out there. That way the listeners not only can keep up with you in the 2017, but also moving forward with your career. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can keep uh, up with me on my social medias, um, and Facebook at Blaine Perkins Racing. Um, those are the main ones we keep up to date. We don't have a current web ser- website right now, but um, we post weekly about our finishes and upcoming races. So um, it'll keep you guys up to date with what I'm doing as a driver, and um, we'll definitely keep that up to date for everybody. Now, I always like to, to, to build up to what eventually we're going to build up to Kentucky. Uh, but I, I always like to take a trip down the lake. It's always interesting to me. And, and it's one, it's always interesting to know how old everybody got into the sport and how they got into the sport. It, it's really mind-blowing to me. I, I've had an opportunity. I, I fathered one child, and I helped raise the other children. And if you hear drivers talking about going into four, five, six, seven years old. Always blows my mind because I, I, I have probably, well, I, I know I have one of the smartest daughters in the world. She's grade A honor student, principal this and everything else, four point whatever. But to ask her to walk from one end of the house to the other, she's going to hit a wall or two. I have a son that he, he might, he might I, I don't know if he's going to make it to the other end of the house. And then the, the two youngins that in the current relationship I'm with, um, they're 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 tripping over their own two feet. They're they're not even probably making it out of the first room, no to the other end of the house. So to, to hear stories of young athletes getting into the sport, especially racing and getting behind the wheels, just blows my mind because I I don't race four kids that a nineteen year old daughter at this point. I don't even know if I want her behind the wheels at this point. No uh, alone out there racing with everybody else. Uh, so it, it's always intriguing to me, especially the different ages different vehicles or different uh, uh, different equipment you guys get behind. Blaine, at what age did you get into the sport, and what what made you want to get into the sport? What made you want to be a race car driver? Yeah, I mean, ever since I've been a little kid, I've always wanted to be a race car driver. Watched NASCAR every weekend with my dad. Um, just always been a big family thing. My dad was never a racer. Nobody in my family ever raced. It was just something we all did for fun to watch. And then once I was about eight years old, I started getting into some go-karts, just like at the local little indoor go-kart tracks with my dad and having fun with a bunch of his friends and started getting pretty good at it. So when I was about 10, um, I got my first go-kart, and that's when I started racing um, go-karts for about a year or two. And then over time, I started moving up the divisions in the Bandolero series, um, which I ran for about two years. And then into the Legend series, and then we made our. Uh, I think I was 14 when I made my stock car debut, which was about three years ago now. And now we're looking at uh, our ARCA debut this weekend with Mason, and it's pretty amazing how much we've come over just seven years of racing. It's crazy. I've spent many, many days and nights that I had a go kart track and never won. But ever once, hey, I heard this. You know, it, it, it's, uh, I don't even know if they raced like that back in my day. We were talking for years now. Um, did you, well, 32 years ago at this point, to start racing eight years, eight years old. I don't know if they had go kart racing these back then or not. Um, at what point did you realize that, look, 
something I could be really good at. This is something, not just a hobby, not just something maybe I'm good at, but something that I think you're at, or at least I feel that I'm going to make a career out of this. At, at what point did that, that bulb go, that light bulb turn on, and you realize, this this is it. This is what I'm going to make a career doing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, ever since the first time I stepped in a race car, I, that was always my dream to become a race car driver. But I think the real first time I thought I had a good chance at this was when I was 14 and I became the youngest winner at Irwindale um, Speedway in a late model. And that was just a big moment in my career. I mean, I be- beat the best of the best. And um, Irwindale has got had stout uh, competition week in and week out and um, we went out there and we won that race and that really turned our career, my career around and that's when I kind of felt that I could do this for a living. Now, I didn't have quite the, the, the busy life as a race car driver does. I, you know, I, I played sports, I played baseball, I played football, but there's seasonal, not like racing, which is almost year-round and it, if you live in certain states like Florida, it basically is year-round. Um, I, you know, when I was in high school, I was in ROTC and joined the military, and, and I never felt that I had enough time. I even had, you know, basically a full-time job while I was there. I worked for hours while I was on top of that. I always felt that I never had enough time. Looking back, I, I really had plenty of time. I just really didn't manage my time well. Growing up, being a race car driver, it's not just you show. It's not like Little League Ball where you you show up for an hour or two on Tuesday and Thursday night, practice a little bit, then show up Saturday and play a game, and that's it. There, there, there's more to that. There, there, there's getting to know your car. There's getting to work on your car. There's practice. There's qualifying. There's going to the track. There, there's a lot more to it. Um, how, how, how is it as a kid growing up trying to balance the school, the, the social life, the racing career? How difficult is it, um, and, and how – up at times is a focus on looking at the bigger picture, especially being so dumb. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's a big uh, balance. Uh, you have, uh, there's a fine line you have to work. And um, I feel like over the past couple of years, I've gotten pretty busy with my racing. Like you said, I'm trying to go to the shop, learn as much as I can, um, testing all the time, get preparing for races, going to the gym daily. Um, I mean, it's Every day, whether it's just your diet or your workout or whatever it is, you're preparing for your next race. So that's really when we decided we thought it would be best to start the homeschooling. It just kind of helped free up my schedule. And um, with the schedule being just a little bit more, uh, yeah, the schedule was just easier to manage. So I think that really helped with the racing. And, um, yeah, I think it was a good idea. Uh, I got one more, and I'm gonna let Mike uh, jump in here for a second. Um, out of the different things you you've gotten to drive, you, you talked about go cars, the bandoliers. Um, I knew I was gonna get there eventually. Legend cars, um, the stock cars. What has been maybe the easiest, or maybe felt most natural to you? And then likewise, which one was maybe more difficult or? Maybe it was a little. It took you a little bit longer to adjust to out of everything that you've got to drive so Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think my driving style suits a little bit more of a smoother um, type driving. So I think the bigger cars kind of suit my driving style a little bit more. 
Um, so we're really looking forward to Kentucky this week. I mean, we're pretty – got to be pretty smooth around these places, and it's a different car, so that'll definitely be a little bit different than the K&N car that I'm running right now. But um, we feel pretty comfortable in the K&N car to where we can make this jump, and it's pretty similar. So I, I'm really confident for that. And then cars that I would say that probably took me a little bit longer to get the handle of was probably the Legend car. It's um, a little bit more of a aggressive type racing. It's more you got to manhandle the car, get on the gas, get it to turn, a little bit more sideways. So that was um, definitely a big experience for me to try to learn, and but it definitely gained me a lot of car control for um, over the years. Okay, I have two uh, basic questions to start, Wayne. Uh, in, in reading all your information. Uh, number one, uh, this intrigues me because I I deal with a local track on, on Long Island and local tracks in the Northeast, and most of those drivers are second or third generation. And you, again, since I've been hosting and co-hosting with the 110, uh, you're about the fourth driver that I know of that says I'm the first one to race. You know, you didn't have your dad or your uncle or whatever. Uh, did, did it take a little convincing uh, as far as your parents to say, okay, I want to do this because they were not, you know, used to it or in terms of the dangers? Did you have to be a little bit more convincing then a kid say that was coming up that his dad had raced locally or whatever, or was familiar with the with racing as a sport. Yeah, definitely. There was some convincing going on there, um, but I think they both realized that I really loved racing and uh, they just wanted to do what was best for me. And once we got a go kart, I was able to kind of show myself, and I think it gave them a lot of confidence in me um, and to trust me and go out every weekend and just race a race a car even with the dangers it can um be but uh, i think they uh definitely put a lot of trust in me and once they realized um that it was a lot safer than <laughs> what it seemed like like i think they were a lot happy with it okay uh my second question has to do with Irwindale it just seems to me and, I, again, living on the East Coast, um, that I've seen a lot of racing, you know, on cable. And Irwindale seems to be like a major track for young for young drivers coming up. And a lot of the drivers that are like in now in, in Xfinity and Cup have gone through Irwindale, that specific track. What is it out there about that track that makes it so... Um, you know, that makes it, that draws all these drivers to them. Is the track centrally located? Is that why? Or just what is it about the track that draws so many competitors that end up going, like, to Cup and taking their career further? Yeah, no, Irwindale's um, very centrally located in Los Angeles area. And um, it's just a great racetrack. I mean, it's multi-grooves. It's look. It's not a very old racetrack, but I mean it's it's got um it's built up a, a high groove, so it's multi grooves. It, it's got some character to it. It's got some bumps, 
couple. And um, it's just a great racetrack, and there's a bunch of cars every weekend with great competitors. So I think that really draws a lot more people towards the racetrack. Right. Um, as far as you said you had experience, and I was reading a little bit about your, your career before, you know, coming on tonight, uh, do you have a favorite in terms of the type of cars that you've driven so far or or uh, the ones that you're more successful at or um, do you have a personal favorite? Um, I would probably say my favorite car I've been in is probably the K&N car. I think it just really suits my driving style a little bit more. Um, but, I mean, I love all the race cars I've ever been in. And if you ask every race car driver, they'll say the same. But I, right. I would think the car I'd feel mo- most comfortable in is the Canning car. Okay. Um, where, where do you see where do you see yourself in, you know, do you, have you mapped out for yourself, at least in your head, um, where you would like, how far you would like to take this? Do you see yourself in in cup ultimately, or um, just just where where you uh, you know one step at a time, obviously? But where do you ultimately see yourself? What are your goals? Yeah, I know that's definitely the goal, and I think everybody at this level has the same goal. Um, it's all to make cup. I mean, that's our dream, and that's what we're all working to do. It's a full time job, and um, that's the end goal right there is to make it into the cup series. Okay. Um, as far as, do you have one of all the tracks you've been at, do you have one that, you know, you're, you're most comfortable at or most successful at? And following that line of questioning, um, do you, do you, what the track that you're going to this week, is there one that you've driven on that's like similar um, to to where you're going to be making your ARCA debut this week? Yeah, I'd say probably one of my uh, more successful tracks and my uh, one of my favorite tracks is Irwindale. Um, I've kind of the first big half mile I went on. and um, On the West Coast, there isn't a bunch of big tracks, so Kentucky's going to be a big step um, from going to mainly half miles, which is what we run in the West. Uh, the biggest track I've been to is Iowa Speedway, and it's a pretty big track for me. Um, it was definitely an eye-opener when I went there last year for the first time. But uh, going there again this time, we felt pretty confident, and uh, we think we're ready to take the next step and go to Kentucky and um, try out these mile-and-a-halves. Mike kind of stole one of the questions. I was going to ask you if there was any tracks relatively close to the Kentucky track. So, not uh, half a mile other than Iowa. Really, nothing close to Kentucky. And I've gotten to be. I've gone to Kentucky the last three or four years now, and it, it's a it's a high speed mile and a half. So that that makes me ask this: Why Kentucky? Was it just just happened that there was an open ride and sponsorship all lined up, or is there a specific reason that Kentucky was a track that you debuted at? Yeah, no, I'm definitely kind of a, a good situation. Mason called us. I mean, he we've been in touch with Mason um, for a while now and always trying to see if our schedules would match for a race just to make a debut in the Arca Series. And this um, weekend just kind of seemed to fit very well. And it's pretty cool to come back here to Kentucky 
and to uh, make my first debut in the series and on a mile and a half racetrack. I actually ran the Bandolero Nationals here about five or six years ago, so it's pretty funny. That's kind of where it all started, and we're back here again. But uh, it's pretty cool, and I'm looking forward to getting on the track tomorrow. Now, have you had an opportunity to even get into the ARCA series or even faces car yet? Or tomorrow when you get on the track, is this all going to be brand spanking new? Not not only being in Mason's car for the first time, but be, really being in an Arctic car uh, first time as well. Yeah, no, it's going to be a lot of first times tomorrow. Um, never been in an Arctic car. I just sat in it for about five minutes um, earlier this morning. Um, but I think we're ready for it. And as a team, I think we're excited to see how we do and, um, we're just really excited to learn a lot tomorrow in practice and take it towards uh, race day on Friday. What's it like to have an opportunity to drive for someone like Mason? I, I got an opportunity. The first time we had him on the show uh, was right before he won his championship. Uh, he he came on the the weekend before he won the championship. I think he only had to finish like 35th. I think basically start the car and he won. He had the points locked up. And we, we've had him on multiple times um, since then. And uh, I, I got an opportunity to talk to him last year while I was at Kentucky. Um, I, I have a, a lot, a lot of respect for Mason, what he's been able to accomplish at such a young age. Um, there, there's not a lot of young people out there that know what they want to do or are able to do what they want to do and have that determination and make it happen. Mason has, being a, a young driver and seeing someone, I think now probably about 23-ish at this point now, um, seeing someone like that and the determination and the motivation, what's that like for a young driver coming up and, and seeing someone like Mason and what he's doing for the sport and what he's doing to help young drivers get into, you know, get an opportunity to be out there like yourself next weekend? Um, and, and, and what does it do for you personally, like, does it, it change his thought process at all, or does it make you want to do things any different being someone like and being able to be around someone like Mason? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's an honor to drive for Mason this, um, this weekend. He's done so much for not only the series um, driving, but now becoming an owner in the series. I mean, that's he's done a lot over the past few years, and to do it at such a young age, I mean, it's pretty amazing to see what he's accomplished. Um, being one of the top teams now in ARCA at week in and week out. And it's pretty amazing to see um, with the drivers he does it. I mean, he brings in a lot of first-time drivers. Um, I don't think they had a full-time driver this year, just a lot of different drivers um, looking to run. Um, just trying to give everybody a shot and see what they have. And um, It's definitely great. Mason's a great person. It's awesome to see what he's done for the series. And it's just really made um, – all drivers on the team excited to run for him. I have just one other thing, Blaine. Uh, it, it occurred to me, too, and that, that would have been my last question, uh, was the um, because it's your first time, you know, in, in an ARCA car and running for Mason, uh, do you sit down with the team a little bit extra and, do you go over, like, how to communicate with them, and do they ask you more than 
you know, someone they're familiar with, uh, the way you like things, the way they like things, et cetera? Do you have to, you know, sort of like map out your strategy a little differently when you've never raced for them before and it's your first time in the car? Yeah, definitely. Before the practice goes off tomorrow, we'll have a big sit down and just kind of get to know each other, see what we like as a team and as a driver, and um, we can fix it. We have plenty of time just to work on radio communications or what to do when I come in the pits or any little fixes we need to do. Um, so we have plenty of time to get that all sorted out and be ready for Friday. Right, right. Well, con- congratulations and good luck. Thank you. Getting getting on the track tomorrow, What what is your game plan? What is the, the first thing that you are going to focus on when you get out there on the track? Yeah, it's definitely going to just be um, be aware. It's a new car. It's a new track. It's a big track. Just get up to speed at my own uh, pace. we got plenty of time, and I think throughout the day we'll make uh, leaps and bounds from where we start, and um, hopefully we'll be real fast by the end of tomorrow night. Now, I, I want to take a second and, and step away from the track for a second and, and uh, ask a couple personal questions real quick, and then we'll get things wrapped up. I, I'm always curious. There, there's always three things that I always ask all, all our athletes. I, I think that, and I, I, I say I think people, and I fall into the same thing. No matter how many times I do this, you know, I, if, I, if I'm out there this weekend and I come up to any all, I'm going to be nervous. I don't know what, even though I've sat here, you know, I can't tell you how nervous I was last year when I went up and talked to Mason, and I've had Mason on the show. I can't even tell you how many times I've had Mason on the show and how many times I've had his drivers on the show and how many times we've had Dalton and Sarah Cornetchi and, and all these other drivers. And we, we, I don't know, as fans, we, we, we paint this big picture, and, and I guess we act like athletes walk around with this, this big spotlight star on them and kind of get away from the fact that they're just regular people like us. They just happen to, you know, participate in the sport that we get to watch them and cheer them on. Uh, and, and so I kind of like to take a, a moment and kind of step back at it and kind of put the reality a little bit more in perspective. Uh, middle of the week, say Wednesday night, even even on a normal, I'm not going to use Wednesday night, you're going to be at the track for all night. Say on a normal Tuesday night, you're not sitting here with us, talking to us uh, about your career or your debut. Um, you have nothing to do. The guys told you, you know, take the day off, go, or you left the shop at 4 or 5 o'clock either way, got the rest of the night off, and, and you ain't got to be back in the shop until tomorrow. What what do you do? What, how do you kind of just kind of clear your mind from last weekend's race, not ready to start thinking about next weekend's race, kind of recharge the batteries, kind of clear your mind? What do you go do for a night off? Yeah, for a night off, I mean, I'll hang out with friends every once in a while, but um, watch a bunch of sports. I love watching all kinds of sports. Um, but, yeah, just kind of hang out with friends and just kind of step away from the racing for a night. Say next weekend was not Kentucky. Next weekend was an off weekend for you. There was nothing going on in the K&N series. I don't have your debut. Trying to get a whole weekend. The guys look 4 o'clock, done for the day. Uh, we won't see you back until Monday. Get an opportunity, and I used to say, do whatever you want to do, but then we had a lot of drivers. Well, I'd still go to a track or I'd find something. Can't be race-related. 
Uh, you have a weekend to do what you want. Just can't be race related. Uh, what what do you go do for a weekend? Honestly, it's just hang out with friends. I mean, whether that means go uh, go to a movie theater or just go play some sports or really whatever it is, but um, just try to hang out with my close friends and uh, just have fun. Um, just play sports. I mean, like I said, I'm into a bunch of sports, so uh, whatever it is, just just have fun with friends. We grab your phone, we unlock it, we open it up, and we either hit the iHeart or we hit the Pandora app. Use the thumbs on. What would you have last been listening to? What would we find out that Blaine most commonly listened to of choices? Man, that's a hard question. Um, I don't really listen to a bunch of music on my phone, but I do listen to music in the car whenever I'm driving around. But um, when I'm not in the car, I don't listen to a lot of music. But I would probably say just regular radio music, um, like popular. Like I'm not, I'm not a big country fan, so I'm from California, and um, it's like a pretty. Top 40 channel. There you go, exactly. Just kind of the popular songs of the month or whatever. Yeah, I, I used to be a, a pretty big top 40s, and then I got serious satellite in my car, and now my station almost stays on 90s. That kind of shows my age. Um, and I, I remember when I was in the military, it was 80s at lunch, um, and I always thought uh, when they start playing 90s, it's a lunch hour. I was still old, of course, they played 90s. Hours, so, uh, but uh, that was that's really the main reason I even went ahead and paid for the the the, the Sirius satellite uh, subscription that I got the free trial when I bought my car. Um, it was so I could continue listening to nineties at nineties uh, online. I, I was I listened to a little bit of everything, but that's where the channel mainly sticks at. Um, I'm, I'm a big nineties person. If I'm on Pantor, it's either nineties country or nineties uh, hip hop or R and B or whatever. Um, but uh, top 40s, if I'm listening to regular radio, I, I'm with you as the DJ top 40. I like to listen to the variety of things. I, I'm one that, I, I say I don't buy a lot of CDs. I have a crap ton of CDs, but I always buy CDs for like one song. Like I, I'm not a big person where I listen to all the songs on CD. I'll buy a CD just for one one specific song. Um, so I, I stay away from buying CDs. I, I like a variety. I, I'm not real big. There's, there's only a few CDs like, maybe Tupac, that I like every song on the CD. Um, everybody else is kind of, there's one or two songs. The rest of the CD, I could really do without. Um, but I want to wish you the best of luck this weekend, Wayne. Um, I, I'm glad we had an opportunity to get to meet you. Um, it is, the, one of my highs of the week is getting to meet some athletes out there and um, get to know their background and, and kind of build a relationship. And, and hopefully you have a great weekend this weekend. Hopefully we get an opportunity to get you back at some time later in the season or even after a win at Kentucky this weekend and talk about how amazing it was to win your debut with the Arca Series. Uh, either way, we hope to get you back on the show. I uh, want to wish you the best of luck, not only this weekend, but um, the rest of your season as well. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking again soon. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you guys for having me on tonight. And uh, definitely looking forward to talking to you guys soon. Yes, sir. You have a great night. Good luck. Thank you. You guys, too. That was uh, Wayne Perkins making his uh, Arca Series debut. That's his 90s rule. Uh, here's the <laughs> 90s. 
it, 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 and I'm already getting into this. Uh, it's even making it more entertaining. I don't know if anybody out there if they're listening to the 90s or online on Sirius Satellite. But, like, it was on my phone, and, and I just reduced the package. And I didn't know that the, the app part of it was not part of the renewal plan. Um, and, and I tried to get it added on it, but they, they wanted a whole $100 a year to have that. But, uh, you know, a lot of times I'd be playing, when I had the trial, I'd be playing 90s, uh, 90s on 9 while I was at work. And in between songs they were want while they would play the old retro Nokia ringtone that you know, that 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 it was like really only one cell phone ringtone back in the day. And it, it's funny because you would hear people you see people walk in and they would play that little ringtone and everybody looked around like, Really? Is that not really a Nokia cell phone uh, uh ringtone? Um it, it's just different things. I, I think they would play corny uh, clips and just different uh, little things from the 90s. It's always, always entertaining for me to listen to that. Um, but I, I can get sucked away in the, the, the 90s and I don't think you just get to take a trip down memory lane. And it, 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 I don't know. <laughs> like I said, I get an opportunity. I don't, I don't know. It used to be 80s. I would get sucked into the 80s when it was late 90s, early 2000s. Now it's all about that. So I'm a firm believer. Once you really got past the early, and when I say early, like maybe 2003, once you get past that, I really feel the 90s was really your last decade of great, uh, great but really good music. Um, I think your great music is going back farther and farther, your 70s, 80s. Um, but uh, I, I really yeah. enjoyed the 90s. But uh, glad to have Blaine on the show. Uh, looking forward to... Uh, Getting to see his debut this weekend for Mason Mitchell Motorsports. Another thing, uh, and I didn't want to make it about Mason, but you know another thing, Mike, and this is my last thing, and we get you guys um, in here to talk hockey. Another thing that really impressed me about me, you know, when he said when Blaine brought up the fact that he, you know, brings a lot of first-time drivers in there, and um, you know, they, a lot of drivers get their debut in Arkansas Series in Mason's bar. That part right there stuck out to me. To know that this man is willing to put hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line for really for people he doesn't really know, and uh, you might have had a few conversations, you might have crossed paths the tracks, but it's not like your boys. It's not like you grew up. It's not like someone that you signed to a year-long contract that that that's your your future uh, of your organization. You know that they, they, they've had you know. Playing talker, they they had conversations, they, they had phone calls, they just couldn't get things lined up until Kentucky, and and, and Mason's had many drivers make their debut in his his cars, so to have someone that is willing to sacrifice so much financially, not to mention the man hours that he puts in, the man hours the rest of the team puts in. To give people these opportunities that he doesn't really necessarily know more than the crossing paths or conversations on the phone. Now, some of them he knows a little bit better than that, but some of them, that's simply to the extent that he knows them. That that speaks a lot of somebody. I, I don't want anybody driving my car, and my car is only like a $12,000 car. I couldn't imagine saying, you know what, this is the first time you've ever been in an Arctic Series car, so this is the first time you've probably ever traveled at 150, 170 miles an hour around a track with 30 other people out there beating and banging. But you know what? I got you. Go ahead. No problem. I got no worries. I got all the confidence in the world. 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. If I, I don't know if I got that in me. Um, it, it, as, as I've had my car for about three months now, and Jordy's drove it one time. That tells you the, the confidence I have when when it comes to my car. Uh, but anyway. Uh, Nick Hitt is though in the studio. I'm gonna let you guys catch up. You guys got a lot of hockey to catch up on. Um, and I always feel like the odd third wheel because when it comes to when it comes to hockey, I might as well be talking golf and tennis as well. Cause I, I, I don't. So uh, I'm gonna get you guys. Uh, I'm gonna get Izzo in the studio. Um, Izzo, I'm glad to have you back. I'm glad you know that you're safe. Um, I hope everybody in your family is safe. I, I hope that the hurricane did not affect you guys dramatically. I, I don't know what extreme or any extreme any damage was, but hopefully if there was any, it was very minimum. I'm glad to, glad to know that you've made it through that and uh, glad to hear you back on the radio. Well, it's uh, it's good to be back, Jay. Um, I, I would have to say lucky is an under uh understated and underrated word for us really. Um luckily we suffered no water damage. Um we do live in a cul de sac so we're at the end of the cul de sac. So our where our house is how the house was built, it was kind of built on a very minimal, very, very small hill. Um so the water did come up about ten feet from the house um until we opened up the fence along the uh the one of the main roadways and everything cuz all the houses on our block pretty much flooded uh almost uh everything under 3 inches so um i mean skating around town this past week has been really eye opening for me cuz me being from the north i'm just used to blizzards man like i've never seen so much water in my life but um you know most of our, our all all of our family here um, has uh, made it through okay without any kind of significant damage. Um, I did have family in Hawaii, or not Hawaii, but Florida, I'm sorry, um, for Hurricane Irma and everything like that. Um, most of my family had evacuated. Um, some of them had stayed, but they had made it through okay. Um, they are still without power and everything like that. Um, but it is pretty cool for, for, for that portion of the family. Um, my little cousin is a running back for the University of Nevada, um, so they were at the game this past week um, as, you know, cleanup is, you know, pretty much progressed there. Um, cleanup is still progressing here. Um, there, there there, are certain parts of Harris County where I'm at and, and Houston um, are just devastated right now. Um, I, you know, I, I went and helped uh, a friend of mine, uh, the band that I've joined uh, and everything, uh, just his whole street alone was under nine feet of water, which was just, amazing honestly so uh, people over there have you know has suffered drastically and you know god bless people like jj watt for what he's done um i'm sure you guys have paid attention and seen the headlines of how much money he's raised over 20 million dollars um and everything like that most of the texans um they had the one preseason game against dallas canceled uh and everything like that so most of the texans could come back and you know, spend time with their families and help out with, with the rescue release and everything. But, you know, uh, for, for us, like I said, there was a significant amount of water here, but it, it truly wasn't as devastating as what uh, what I've seen in the pictures in the news uh, and, and the losses that were suffered with this. So, you know, I was kind of glad that I could help out a little bit, um, you know, during this whole situation and everything with what I was able to do. Uh, and everything like that, but you know, there's still going to be, 
you know, a lot of rebuilding done uh, for the next couple of years just because of how much water um, was accumulated. You know, it, it, it's not necessarily we got wind damage. It's just all water damage. So, I mean, there were freeways that were under 25 feet of water, you know, close to downtown and then the surrounding southern areas of downtown Houston. So, it, it was uh, a real eye-opener for me uh, and everything like that. So, um, hell, I, I, I might have to get, you know, a case of MREs for the next time this, this happens and everything, guys, because, man, I, I was just, you know, just wasn't prepared for it. Good to That's have you uh, back, Crazy. And I, I think the last stat I saw, this is what I was there. I think the last stat I saw was uh, J.J. Watson had raised for $37 million. I think it was the last figure I saw. But, uh, yeah, I, I do agree. What what he was able to do and, and everybody that got involved with that, um, definitely uh, definitely a lot of uh, a lot of respect. I think that's the best word I could use. And the crazy thing about it, all, all of it was, was Baylor University, TCU, um, most of the Texas college uh, places around here, College Station, um, University of Texas, you know, they were all shipping in their, um, you know, their 18-wheel trucks full of supplies and everything like that. So, you know, help has really come from, from everywhere, you know. And the thing is, is the, the really cool thing is, is you see J.J. Watt at random um, pickup points for supplies and everything like that. He's signing autographs. He's taking pictures. He's helping unload the trucks. He's meeting the families. He's hugging them and everything like that. You know, and it's, you know, and it's not just him. You know, you, you see guys like Jadavian Clowney was there, Brian Cushing, Hopkins, you know, the, these people, you know, the, they really have a strong bond uh, with each other. You know, it's, it's really cool to see because I've, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm only used to blizzards. So I can shovel five, six feet of snow without a problem and stay warm. But, you know, staying dry was, was kind of a question and everything like that. So, you know, it's really cool to see the help come from, you know, not only uh, from the government and, and everything, but from the athletes that are in this area. It was just something very, very truly uh, admirable and everything and something that I, I, I tr- truly respect the hell out of. Yeah, you're like me as uh, being from the east. If, if you see a lot of water, it's generally frozen, you know. It, exactly, you know, and, it, you know, <laughs> you could skate on it and everything if it's cold enough, but... You know, but it, it, you know, like I said, it was a real eye opener, and I'm, you know, I'm really glad that you know the the, you know, the loss wasn't as worse as it was, and everything like that, because there were some sad stories down here and everything, and you know, I, I can remember not being able to sleep because it was nothing but helicopters from Chinooks to life flights to to Blackhawks, you know, rescuing people off their roofs and everything, and then that was only maybe 10 minutes away from my house. So, you know, and it's, it was just something truly, uh, truly amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, but anyway, that's not, you know, that that's, that's in the past. Now we are back. We are in preseason mode. I hate to say it, Jay, but the, uh, the, the Blackhawks seem to be all over the, uh, um, they were all over the jackets tonight, but I am kind of rewatching the, second preseason game with Vegas and Colorado and from what I'm seeing it looks like Colorado or Colorado's down three nothing to Vegas right now. So 
we are in training camp. We are in preseason mode, which only means we're only a couple weeks away from the start of the NHL season. And I think the biggest, the biggest thing so far is the big rule change that we've had uh, regarding to offside reviews, not um, goalie interference or, um, you know, reviewing a goal, a questionable goal. This is just strictly offside. Um, from uh, uh, from what the um, meetings consisted of is um, a rule change. Instead of trying to cut, they they want to cut down on the reviews for the offsides and everything. Um, so if you are, uh, if a team does go go and move forward to challenge an offside play and they lose that review, um, there will be now a two minute penalty to serve. Um, if you win the challenge. You know, nothing is going to be ha- nothing's going to happen. You're not going to be reprimanded. It's only if you lose the change. So I think that is the biggest rule change that we have had so far in the last you know couple of years, except for the uh, the three on three overtime and everything like that. So this is going to be something new uh, and interesting to see, really. Um, just because the game is so fast paced, it's kind of hard to keep track of where you are on the ice sometimes, giving. Um, certain direction of a play. So that's going to be uh, something uh, to, to really keep an eye on this season. Yeah, to me, when I when you had told me about it and we go over it, you know, and I guess it was like a week ago you mentioned it to me, and I went and looked at it, and I was saying to you about the app that I had and everything else to get us through the season or to get yeah. me through the, the season a little bit more. And I went and looked at it, and it was interesting because to me, and again, you know, we say different things about different rules like NASCAR and the, and you know what stages is going to mean, and we'll see what happens with this. But one of the things that struck me is, uh, and you touched on it a little bit, uh, is how often it's going to slow the game down. I could see, you know, people being offside almost every time down the ice, or you know, saying, you know, if you don't like the way a play is is formulating, say. Oh wait, he was all five, and then they have to stop and look at it and whatever. But as I but as I thought about it, I said, well, they can't do it every time down because they would be, you know, they they'd be, you know, getting if they were wrong, they'd get a penalty every time it happened. So you wouldn't want to call basically every play or or, you know, challenge every play either. Yeah. And I think the thing, uh, and you're and you're and you're definitely right about that. You know, most of the time, you would uh, that I would see an offsides, uh, you know, review to be called is when a goal is scored. You know, and that was most of the highlights that you would see on you know NHL Tonight or something like that, ESPN maybe. <laughs> and you know, when you really look at an offside review, you know, two things two things have to have to occur is you know, at least one part of his skate outside the blue line, you know, before he enters, you know. And then the other question is, is his skate, uh, is, is, you know, are his skates touching the ice to therefore, you know, uh, legitimately review the call or uphold the call? So, you know, there's a lot of factors. There's not that many factors that go into it, say, like maybe football with a catch or anything like that. You know, those are the main two things, and those things can be kind of hard to, um, you know, really hard, really hard to try and comprehend and understand. You know, okay, it's very hard, especially with the camera angles. It's, it, you know, you can generally tell 
when a skate is on the ice and everything like that. You know, it's really hard to judge if the skate is being dragged, um, you know, or if it's off the ice completely. You know, that's something that, that, that really has to be, you know, um, really looked at and everything like that. All right. Well, hopefully it doesn't slow the game down all that much. But uh, but like like well, I said, it's, you know, I don't think it'll it'll I don't think it'll slow down you know the 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 review time, but it'll cut back the the amount of times a coach will try and challenge a uh, you know an offsides play or anything like that because generally you don't see an offside call you know being. Um, caught unless a goal is scored, you know, that, that that's a big thing, you know, if a goalie stops the puck, they're not going to waste, you know, a chance to say, oh, hey, this play was offside, all it's going to do is move the face off, you know, 50 feet back or whatever, so, you know, it, it's it's only when goals, I think, are that, that, that are going to be scored, you know, and some of them are pretty blatant, um, you know, and, that, and like I said, it's just a fast-paced game, sometimes it's kind of hard to you know, trust your feet and look at the player with the puck and try and decide what play to make and everything. You know, it, it can it can catch up to you. You know, that it's very far and few between, but, you know, that's why they play professionally and everything like that. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to necessarily shorten the game when a call, when a call is reviewed, but, you know, it's going to, it's going to cut back on the, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the attempts to review it and everything like that. So, you know, if a coach is going to squandle there for 30 or more seconds trying to decide, you know, what, what he wants to do at that point, I would just, you know, I would just muck the hand, muck the poker hand, you know, it's not worth it. You know, you, right. you don't get any, you don't get any value out of it, you know, but if it takes you less than 15 seconds to, to really, you know, decide, then yeah, go ahead, give it a shot. You know, you never know what might happen and everything. You might, you know, catch something on the second watching of it that you didn't pick up the first time. So, I mean, it's all about value, really. And, you know, it's similar to poker, and that's pretty much what it's going to boil down to. You know, if you don't know within the first, like I said, 25, 30 seconds, then don't even worry about it because it's not necessarily to put your team down, you know, at a point or anything like that, especially when the game, if the game is close, you know, if the game's like four nothing and you're the losing team, you know, no need to really help them try and pad their stats, you know? So. Exactly. Yeah. It can come from different ways. Yeah. It's strategic. Like I I remember thinking the first time uh, timeouts were used, coaches were saying, we have to pick and choose the time we want to call a timeout, you know. Yeah, and yeah. And, it's, so it's, and it's unique because the NHL only grants one timeout, you know. It's not like basketball where you have 70 bajillion timeouts and, you know, in football where you have three timeouts a half and everything, you know, you get one, right. you know, and it, and it doesn't matter, you know. You, you get one and that's it, and that's for the whole game, you know. Did you so, say 70 bajillion? Yes, I did. <laughs> Yes, I do. <laughs> I just make sure I heard that right. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it, it's it, it's a gamble. You know, it, it's really a gamble. But you know, it, it would have been, it, you know, it's worth it when it's only a timeout because sometimes most teams they don't necessarily use a timeout unless you know you're down by one or up by one and you're trying to come up with a you know a play and everything like that. You know, but for the most part, you know, it, it's. You know, it's all about value now because it's not that it's not your timeout 
up for bid, it's, it, you know, it's a penalty, you know, and those, you know, the, those cost more than, than anything really, you know, because you're given a chance, you know, you're giving the other team a, a man advantage for two minutes, you well, know, it, it, it's going to be, um, you know, it, it's going to be one heck of a whirlwind. So I'm going to be really paying a close attention to that during out the, throughout the season and everything like that. Right. It'll be interesting to see how it's used, how coaches use it. Um, and, you know, they go into it with. <laughs> I feel, in my opinion, Mike, I think we're going to see it more towards the end of the season when playoff races are going. So I'm I'm expecting more in, like, February, March, and April. You know, I'm, I'm going to expect to see a lot of that, you know, a lot of that really happen in the middle, later middle part of the season and everything, you know, just before the trade deadlines. So right. we're going to be seeing a lot. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Uh, and everything, especially you know, w- with the two powers in the East, three powers in the East between Columbus, you know, Pittsburgh, and Washington, and then you know, over in the West, it's going to be something pretty interesting to see in the Central, especially since Dallas is reloaded. You know, Nashville had their 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 Cup run and everything like that. You still have Chicago and you still have Minnesota. So, you know, like I said, I, I, February, March, and April—that's probably where I would you know, pay attention the most because that's where I, I believe that we're going to see a lot of these, um, a lot of these reviews, uh, being used and everything and seeing how they work out and everything like that. So. Yeah. Where playoff, you know, where playoff appearances are in the balance, say, say you come down to a game where you either make the playoffs or don't, that's where it's going to be. You know. Yeah, I mean, you have to, and that's when you're going to have to take that shot, you know, whether you're just going to bite the bullet on that one, you know, whether it's a dud or if it's live, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword that these coaches are going to have to play with, you know. And with the sleeper teams that, you know, have really kind of reloaded, you know, uh, Arizona in the west and, and Carolina in the east and everything like that, you know, it's going to be something pretty interesting to see. So, you know, Cam Ward, uh, a couple weeks ago has accepted the backup role to Scott Darling, who was, you know, acquired from, from Chicago and everything like that. And, you know, with them picking uh, pretty much, you know, all the Blackhawks uh, in, in the past couple seasons, you know, it, it's starting to look like, uh, you know, the 2013 uh, uh, Hawks and everything like that. So, you know, yeah. and with, with Falk and, and Skinner and uh, all these guys and all the young guys, Jordan Stahl, who's still there and everything like that, they're going to be a pretty solid team this year. So, you know, I, I think, you know, reviews like that can really benefit um, teams like Carolina, you know, teams like Buffalo. I mean, because if you look at Carolina, they did not play, um, you know, a bad game. I think they were – they led the league in fewest uh, power play attempts and everything like that. So, they play a very strict and disciplined game, so that's going to be something to 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 really pay attention to. That 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 kind of rule change can really benefit a team like that. So, um, as long as they avoid the overtime losses and everything this year, which is you know what kind of really hampered them uh, last year and everything like that. So, um, I think uh, I think a challenge uh, change uh, rule change like that is going to really benefit a team like that. Okay, the one thing I had to add, or just to ask you, um, and over the course of what, like CJ was saying, what what happened, you haven't been on in about three weeks. But I I remember when I saw this, I had had mentioned it to you, and we talked on Twitter um, about 
free, uh, not free agency, but holdouts. And hockey is becoming more like other sports. Like it happens in every sport that, you know, a person will hold out. It seems like either for training camp or, you know, until the regular season begins and then they'll sign right away. And I remember the, 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 the one player was from Las Vegas that I mentioned to you that came across on Twitter. Uh, that he was a holding out, and you said that happens, and I said yes in every sport, but now you're seeing it more in hockey as well. Yeah, um, you know there were a couple people, um, you know, on that list. Uh, Anthasal from from Detroit, uh, you know, he had a pretty big season and everything like that, but Detroit is in cap trouble right now, um, and Anthasal has that he would go play in the KHL until something, you know, uh, happening and everything. You know, and Detroit needs a guy like Anthosal. He's a big guy, you know, 6'4", 210 po- uh, pounds and everything. He's a great power forward, can shoot. He's got some pretty good soft hands, you know. And uh, with that kid in, in, you know, in Vegas, you know, he's just trying to make a push and everything like that. You know, their first home game or their first preseason game, I'm sorry, you know, they put up nine goals. Uh, on the Vancouver Canucks farm team, you know, which is, you know, which was kind of baffling to me, you know, because you don't really get a lot of uh, big-name guys that play in the first couple preseason, you know, games and everything. But Tyler Wong, uh, the young kid for, for Vegas, you know, he had a hat trick that game, you know, and he, he pretty much owned the ice whenever he was on it and everything like that. So, um, you know, that, that – you know, these contracts and everything like that, you know, it is starting to dip more and more uh, into hockey over the past couple seasons. But, you know, sometimes these kids are just eager to try and get over here uh, and everything like that and really start their career uh, and try and make the NHL and everything like that. So, I mean, uh, the the Russian uh, KHL League right now is in, in kind of financial trouble Um uh, you know their their currency is I, I don't know what their currency is off the top of my head, but their their dollar is uh, is sinking fast apparently, and some of these KHL guys are not getting you know not getting paid and everything like that. So <laughs> only the uh, only the big superstar ones uh, that I know of are the ones that are getting paid because they are the ones that are drawing crowds. So it's it's you know uh, a messed up. Uh, a messed up situation over there. So you know, for for these kids to 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 want to ship over to Europe, I don't blame them. Um, you know, they they'll, they'll gain experience. They're playing against you know professional older older men and everything like that. So you know, in in certain cases it helps their game, uh, and in certain cases it it hurts their game. So it's kind of a crapshoot, really. Yeah, um, I believe. I don't know a lot about Russia, but I believe the uh, what you what you were uh, referring to in terms of the money was rubles. And if uh, the one ten ever sends you out to do an interview in Russia, you'll know that you have yeah. to convert them to your rubles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but um, uh. but as far as uh, are there any surprises heading into the season, and as far as what's you know, transpired or pretty much going into the regular season is what was expected. Uh, well, you know, the biggest topic right now is the NA or the uh, the the Olympics and everything. So um, there was a big statement released uh, by the Washington Capitals from Alex Ovechkin. Um, 
you know, stating that, you know, the his country is not allowed to ask him uh, to play in the Olympics for Russia and everything like that. And that's pretty much um, everybody, you know, not only from Russia, but, you know, the Czech Republic, Germany, Finland, Sweden, you know, Canada, uh, everything like that. So, you know, it, it's kind of a sad, a sad deal. So we're not going to have uh, NHL players in the Olympics and everything like that. So, you know, Ovechkin was very sad uh, and, and really, you know, heartbroken over that, you know, because his mom is a two-time Olympian uh, medalist of some sort. I can't remember. I think she was a swimmer. Uh, if I remember correctly, um, you know, so him playing in the Olympics was, you know, uh, a lifelong dream of his, you know, and he wanted to win the gold, which, you know, they haven't done yet. Um, but I thought at some point in time that Russia could dominate, you know, uh, Olympic hockey again, especially among the uh, professional ranks and everything. So it's a big reason why Ilya Kovalchuk has not come back into the league because he wants to play for Russia. Um, Ryan Malone, who is uh, a Pittsburgh boy, uh, played in Pittsburgh and also with Tampa Bay, um, is trying to make a comeback so he can participate in the in this Olympics. You know, he's been out of hockey for two years. So um, we're, I think we're going to see a lot of surprise people uh, for Team USA and everything like that to, um, uh, to try and put an Olympic roster together, which is something we will touch further on as the, as the months uh, go by here until – February. Right. It'd be like the Miracle on Ice team all over again, you know, back to amateurism as it were. Yeah, it it could definitely uh, be something like that. Um, You know, I I don't think it'll have the same, um, you know, value as what the 1980 team, I mean, uh, for for heaven's sakes, I wasn't even alive. And I would have loved to have been, you know, uh, been in that point in time and, and just to be able to watch that game. So, you know, I've watched it uh, on ESPN Classic and I've watched it on YouTube and everything like that and actually got to watch some of the actual game films and everything like that. So, you know, it, it must have been something special to, to be a part of and everything like that, especially the, the, turmoil, the turmoil that, you know, the, the whole entire world was at that point in time and everything in the morale of the United States. So, you know that when when you see those countdowns of ESPN, the greatest sports moments of all time, and that always pops up number one. It just you know that that kind of just brings a tear to my eye because it's it's the only hockey uh, related you know thing on the countdown. You know because everything's baseball, football, basketball. You know and you see two three different types of plays from uh, or games from you know from each sport, and then there's just that one hockey game, and it was the 1980 game. So, um, you know, it, it's um, it, it's something pretty cool. It, that must have been pretty cool to to be to be at and to watch and everything like that. So, um, you know, I'm always a big fan of Olympic hockey. I think it's the best part of the Olympic uh, Winter Olympics, except for curling. And yes, I do love curling. I think curling <laughs> is an amazing sport, and uh, you know, it, it's a uh, it, it takes second place. But uh, the Olympic hockey is definitely going to be, you know, my number one for the Olympic uh, for the Winter Olympics and everything like that. Right. Well, CJ kidding me about my age, but I actually saw that when when the game when it transpired on ABC. So uh, <laughs> I'm old enough to have watched that, not in person, but I lived in New York at the time. So yes, uh, that was interesting to say the least. Um, 
But anything else you wanted to say, to uh, bring up that we can wrap this up? Um, well, like I said, follow me at 110 Pockhead. Um, we're getting into the swing of the season. We've got preseason games going on right now. Um, so, everybody, keep your eyes peeled on, on Carolina this year. I, I have them as my sleeper team um, th- this season. I think they're going to be a tough team and everything. So, let's debate about it. Uh, let's hear uh, let, let's hear some cheers for our local Carolina Hurricanes, and uh, uh, we will talk to you guys next Tuesday night. Okay, so thanks a lot. CJ, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Um, go ahead, Mike, let me know what you got going on Friday and uh, where you can be found, likes and all the whatnots. Okay. Um, Friday night, a uh, tribute to Teddy Christopher, uh, you fans in the Northeast. Uh, we will have hopefully two owners on who have had Teddy drive for them in the recent past, uh, Wayne Anderson being one, and really recently, uh, Danny Watts, uh, was the second one, and Teddy would have driven his car on Saturday night had he made the uh, track. So uh, we'll definitely talk to those two individuals, and they will definitely have some uh, Teddy Christopher stories, I'm sure. Um, but we will have a tribute to Teddy Christopher on Friday night show. Um, you can find me on my personal Facebook page, the 110 Nation pages, the Hot Laps with Stats pages, and the my Twitter account, which is at Stats108. And uh, we'll definitely see you tomorrow night. CJ? Make sure that you guys check us out on Twitter at 110 Nation. Check us out on Facebook, 110 Nation Sports. Also check out our site www.the110nationsports.com for all the latest going on here at the 110 Nation. Um, I got to thank Enzo. Enzo, glad and glad to hear he's back and he's safe and uh, very minimum uh, of any damage at all for uh, him and his family. So I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I'm also glad to have Blaine join us tonight, uh, making his Arca Series debut and his debut for Mason Mitchell Motorsports at Kentucky Speedway. So uh, looking forward to. Uh, cheering him on uh, this Friday night. So uh, um thankful, thankful for him coming on. Also, uh, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock right here, the 110 Nation Sports Radio Network, the 110 Nation Sports Show. Uh, Mike and myself will be back at it again. Of course, the second half of the show, we'll be giving our picks. Um, we're going to have to uh, get Shorty's picks uh, either uh, Thursday afternoon or get her picks earlier today, earlier in the day, and she will be at work uh, during that part of the show tomorrow night. So, um, we'll definitely get her picks, but uh, make sure you guys tune in for uh, those as well. Um, don't forget, Thursday night, 9 o'clock, racing with Big Sweats, and, of course, wrap up the uh, work week with Hot Laps with Stats on Friday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, i got to thank Fit for Life, I-95 uh, Sports Network, and Mile High Radio, great marketing partners. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do this. Um, so i got to make sure that I thank them as well. Of course, I got to thank Miss Lee for uh, setting this all up. Uh, she's been busy behind the scene. Uh, originally, was supposed to have Chase Purdy, and uh, some things came up, so uh, they swapped that around. We got Blaine in here. We'll have Chase later on. We've had Chase on the show before, so uh, uh, we, we just got an opportunity to push a returning guest back a little bit and bring on a new guest, uh, a first timer on the show. So uh, it all kind of worked out. But uh, Miss Lee doing her thing behind the scene, and of course, Mike. 
um, keeping the uh, the social media up to date and uh, joining me tonight. And, and of course, uh, uh, the 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 NHL segment. I uh, can't uh, thank you enough as well, Mike. Um, new Great. listeners, got to thank you guys for uh, tuning in tonight. Hopefully, uh, you guys will be back tomorrow night. Um, returning listeners, of course, I, I got to thank my faithfuls for uh, um, listening in and tuning in and continue to spread the word. If you have gone over on our fan page or our Twitter account, like to follow us, got to thank you. Continue to spread the word. Help us continue to grow. Um, six and a, Almost six and a half years at this point. Uh, next month will be six and a half years. Um, and uh, no no plans of uh, stopping anytime soon. So I got to thank each and every last one of y'all. Tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, right back here on the 110 Nation uh, Sports Radio Network. Check us out, the 110 Nation Sports Show. Until then. Thanks for listening to the 110 Nation Sports Show with Mr. CJ Sports. You are a part of the 110 Nation. So be sure to visit the110nation.com for everything related to the show. You can follow CJ on Twitter at 110nation and on Facebook at 110nation sports. Until next time. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.